This is Binod Shankar. You're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA, and more. Now, you would think, why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical, practical issues. Number two, authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics, guests, and questions are all from that perspective. And number three, take a chartered accountant, CFA charter holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, during a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling, and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Welcome to episode number three, and my guest today is someone I've known for over a decade. The one and only Biharlal Diora, otherwise known universally as BD. And I don't think there's anyone in the CFA community in India or Asia, probably even the world, <laughs> who doesn't know of BD or Biharlal. Uh, he's a chartered accountant and a CFA charter holder. So that's two things that we have in common that draws us closer together. He's also a very active volunteer on the local CFA society and on the regional and global level as well. And he's uh, working right now in an alternate investment fund called Abacus Investments as what he explained to me as chief of everything else but investing. Right, BD? Yeah. So, so with that introduction, do you want to tell me or tell the listeners, I know, you, I know your background very well, yeah. tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your career so far briefly. So, thank you, Vinod. And uh, like you mentioned, I uh, started as a chartered accountant. Uh, and in fact, um, I had an All India rank uh, when I did my chartered accountancy. I had a 15th rank in uh, CA final. And uh, I was very confident that I'll get a job uh, in finance. Uh, but when I appeared for interviews, I couldn't get a placement in campus. Hmm. And that's when I started sort of thinking, saying that, look, I am a rank holder chartered accountant, but something is missing for me to get into finance. What, what is it? I couldn't find an answer at that point in time because I didn't knew about, uh, you know, uh, CFA. Uh, and, you know, that's where I started. So to begin with, in the first year, hmm. I worked in copyrights. Copyrights? Yeah, I worked, you know, in copyrights and trademarks uh, division of a CA firm, okay. trying to see if we can apply for copyrights for right, my, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, clients. Hmm. Uh, I didn't thought it was useful or maybe it would have helped, but, you know, eventually it comes back to rescue and I'll, I'll come to that point. Uh, and then we did some software audits, you know, so to see whether the, you know, uh, softwares which uh, accounting guys use, mm. they have a trail and you can, uh, right. you know, audit them or not. Right. A year a year later, I realized that, uh, you know, uh, I might move to a different corporate job and I joined uh, Reliance Industries uh, in uh, Surat. Mm. Uh, it's a plant over there. Uh, so financial accounting and, you know, you know, savings and everything you calculate. Uh, three months, maybe like less than 100 days, uh, I realized that this is not for me. Uh, because I realized that someone who is like a graduate is doing the same work mm. what I'm doing and mm. he's doing a better job than me. So I realized why sort of, you know, waste your uh, CA and then I, you know, moved. So at that point, I didn't know why, how to apply and what to apply. I had a friend who had uh, joined uh, I am Cozy Code and he said, why don't you go to these websites of these companies and just go and apply there? Uh, so I applied to one of those companies and uh, fortunately I got a call. I still remember vaguely, I mean, I had to go out of lunch break and take that call. But instead of asking me about my qualification, I mean, they obviously knew my qualification, but they asked me a very simple question, saying that if you have to make a model estimating the 
you know parking income of a company in surat mm. how will you do it mm. now i have never thought about it this was a random question mm. and i didn't know what to answer and then i said okay maybe uh, you know you will start with uh, the rto data you will figure out how many vehicles are there maybe assume a growth rate and then have some projections on there you will take as an assumption assumption saying that look 50% vehicles are at home 50% vehicles come to market and then you know you will find capacity of those parking lots and maybe 5 days occupancy not 7 days and then you know average revenue and calculate something i don't even know whether i was right or wrong but i don't think that's what the interviewer was checking what he was checking was the thought process mm-hmm. that if you are given a problem which is out of blue and sudden can you still you know apply your mind and you know come out yeah. with some steps which uh, you know which you can uh, which you can do mm-hmm. uh fast forward that's in the research job i realized that there's something called cfa mm-hmm. which everybody is doing and you know i should also do it uh and that's when i sort of you know registered myself for cfa uh i registered in somewhere around the february the last deadline and immediately after i got engaged and my marriage was in the same week in which the cfa exams are there so obviously in india marriage is a big thing you pay a lot of money so how, okay. how do you time your exam if you are same as in marriage i keep hearing this from students of mine anyway moving on let's assume the exams are lucky for us to get married faster <laughs> or the fact that you are given exam helps you to get a <laughs> suitable bride suitable faster bride, yeah one of those things uh but i couldn't give exam in june because of marriage and in december i had joined new company fidelity so that time also i couldn't give exam and so i decided that now i have to do it irrespective of what it comes and i decided to do it in uh, 2007 yeah. and that's when this whole you know uh, uh, issue with uh, exams in india started so i True. had actually to you know in my exam leave i got to know thing that the exams are not happening and we were trying to book for sri lanka and a lot of other places dubai with being one of them mm. and then finally exam happened and level 1 there for level 2 i had to go to singapore to give exams and i finished my uh, you know level 3 over there how how was the cfa journey in terms of t- tell me more detail because if you you fast forward through the whole thing like you know like a breeze or something probably as a breeze for you but Uh, level 1 level 2 level 3 describe briefly tell me what are the challenges so, and how you so two it. things struck me in uh, you know uh, in level 1 at least or mm-hmm. at least in level 2 think that look being a ca or being a chartered accountant you are on the other side of the table your focus is more on how to calculate roe mm-hmm. how to calculate profitability how to calculate net profit gross profit whatever number you want or how to calculate a particular ratio you never apply your mind on how to analyze that particular thing or what it means for the other party once you start your cfa journey you have to leave how to calculate because how to calculate will be given to you by a software or a model you have to start sort of working on how to analyze that okay. so a classic example so roe of two companies is 20% which company to choose mm. then you sort of look at dupont and figure out okay which company is more operationally suitable or if the roe is increased from 20 to 25 why it has increased and why it has not increased right everybody knows how to calculate a current ratio of course right yeah. but what people don't know is that if the current ratio of both the companies is same look at quick ratio or asset test ratio and figure out which company is better it's going to drill down look at interpretation so that interpretation yeah. aspect is what is embedded within cfa, CFA. Mm-hmm. so what people say that you know fra is more difficult well it's difficult if you're not studied accounting before True. yeah if you've studied accounting before then you will precisely focus on those pointers and you will love it right so i mean as a ca i would have never imagined that i can mentally give you a direction of a ratio depending on the change in lifo or fifo inventory mm-hmm. method mm-hmm. true but as a cfa you can simply mentally can calculate saying that look this portion will go up this will portion go up so net impact is you have to connect uh, the dots you can connect the cfa so in that aspect a ca you know always helps 
hmm. or any accounting degree for that matter always helps you because you have already done the groundwork hmm. and then you know you can sort of start applying that thing hmm. fortunately i mean i was working in fixed income domain so you know we were doing these modelings and these things ourselves uh, so you can apply a lot of those things uh, in there but going back to the question so what what are the lessons you learned in cfas and what are the challenges you faced and how did you crack them? so one obviously i realized saying that as you go from level 1 to 2 to 3 hmm. the level of learning changes level 1 is more basic more you know grounded more anyone can do it not necessary coming from a commerce or a science or other background level 1 is more testing whether you have an analytical bent of mind true level 2 is whether you can stick to the whole thing and you can deep dive and do valuation and widen enough your domain irrespective of whether you are from fixed income you still have to learn equity or if you are in equity you still have to learn fixed income correct so you get multi sort of asset class exposure which you may or may not like it but you still need to sort of Mm-hmm. learn from that perspective mm-hmm. and then suddenly comes level 3 when you realize that all your magda formulas and calculations are no longer working application and now you have to explain it to someone else on what you think and while you may know how to calculate and you know obviously as indians also we are very good at calculation but when it comes to writing mm-hmm. we fail miserably i mean we don't do a good job at it uh, and i was very confused on how i should do it because i knew that my writing was not good for sure i don't know whether you remember but in ca we always write the answers and in the ca final exam i should remember i was the one of the first to raise my hands to ask for additional sheets of paper <laughs> and everyone looked at me as though i was a genius and that is the mentality we have right i mean we the more number all, of papers the more number of the more you write the more uh, sheets of paper you ask the the more smarter you must be so i'll give you an example in uh, in ca you have three uh, you know stages right. you have foundation you have inter and you have final correct no in my foundation exam uh, you need to score 200 out of 400 four papers so i scored 233 but i still failed okay so i was the only one in the entire you know that area surat who failed with a total about 200 how come because i had 17 in all the other subjects but i had 33 in economics right and i was so upset saying that look this is not done and you know all my friends you know think how can you fail mm-hmm. but then i failed and then i realized i have not done something right maybe i have just you know filled up papers which are not meant for examiner i need to communicate in their language 6 months later i passed mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. i didn't re- realize it then that it was a blessing in disguise because every time next time i gave exam i got a rank Right. because all the guys who were with me who were you know with competition they obviously were 6 months ahead so right. since i was in a different batch you know i was able to perform so sometimes you know some of these things you work in your favor work in your favor right. even when you don't know mm. you know how is going to happen correct. so failure sometimes is good correct so at least ca taught me that failure so in cfa at least i was prepared saying that even if i fail i can do and if you're prepared for failure you will prepare more sure. correct. correct right exactly. uh, whether it's practice exams or discussing with colleagues or whatever you want to do So in level three, what I realized that I'm not good at writing. So I went to my manager, mm. and he had appeared for level three like I think two years before. Mm. And I asked him what to write and how to write, and he said, "Why don't you write papers and then come back to me and I'll check it for you and I'll tell you this is what you should write." You really have managers like that, do you? you well, <laughs> we were lucky. You're lucky. You're lucky to have. We were lucky. Work. We yeah, were in yeah. fidelity, and okay, you know, you the manager was like that. Yeah. Uh, but he actually, you know, helped me saying that look. what you've written uh-huh. doesn't make sense from a portfolio management perspective what you've written is a theoretical answer it doesn't have the keywords or it doesn't have that thing and then i i obviously practiced multiple times mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. um, you know uh, passed level 3 that was the time when uh, we had a new kid okay. so my daughter was born mm-hmm. on december 2008 so a lot of those nights and stuff and i had a full time job my wife had taken a break uh, so what i realized is that i need to sort of stretch a bit so i used to sort of wake up at let's say 5 am 
study till 5 to 8 then go to office and come back in the evening again stretch it for 2 hours or something wow, okay. so I, otherwise there is no way you can do it along with the job so if you can't so the the important point in CFA is not about how much you study it's about the discipline hmm. if you study for like full 6 months or 8 months you can't really cramp together everything and no. say okay I'll do it for 2 weeks and then I'm done it's not one of those things you will require a lot of those uh, you know uh, time spent in, in synthesizing different topics. And conceptual understanding takes time. So I have yeah. a different strategy in reading. What I do is, I look, if you have five books, mm. so I'll go through all of them in like five days. Right. I will just read through it irrespective of whether I understand or not. Mm. So I'll at least get 10% of it. Mm. The next time I read it again, I take the same time, I get additional 10%. And that's how I try to, to do multiple up. times rather than doing one time in detail. Got it. That has worked for me. I mean, for some people it works, some people it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. But at least I follow... Uh, that strategy right uh, but you know I did CFA Correct. and then I realized that this doesn't stop here it's an mm. ongoing process right uh, so you know because then I realized that you know we are you are a tip in the ocean right. uh, so then I did my CFP mm. uh, the next year uh, realized that if you've done CFA CFP is a cakewalk Correct. so I did that so the chartered financial planner certified, certified financial, 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 financial planner, financial planner. Okay. that's in the US uh, right? that's in the US Around the same time, IFRS rules were changing. Right. Uh, India was adopting to IFRS and I think globally everybody was adopting to IFRS. So I realized that, that this IFRS is something coming up and so I said, okay, let's get, you know, something mm -hmm. in IFRS. So I did IFRS. Now, everything which I did, at that point in time, it was not useful for me mm -hmm. because I was working in the US market. I was looking at US gap. So IFRS right. was, has no meaning for me. Yeah. But I did it saying that eventually, if, if something is going global, it's going to come back and, you know, uh, require me to do it. So why not better prepare in advance? So my manager said a beautiful thing at that point. I'm saying that all careers looks elevated, but only in retrospect. Mm. When you're doing it, you it won't know. Mm. But five years down, you will know that because I did this, this, mm. this, this, you are a better person or you are prepared for the job. So I'm going to take a, go a little bit back and talk about CA because it's it's a it's it's a qualification that propelled me initially, and I'm sure you as well in, sure. in, in the early part of our career. So, you, you mentioned help you in CFA because obviously the solid accounting foundation helps when you go to FRA and, you know, in equity analysis part of the CFA program. But in your career, how did the CA help you? So, so two things. It, it's like a, a fallback option for us mm. because it's, you know, you are regulated, you are supposed to have audit. So, the, so the, you get the mental insurance in your mind saying that, look, if nothing works out, you can open your own shop exactly. and, you know, practice and you can at least get something yeah. to you know, uh, feed your family or survive for a family. Yeah, yeah. So one it is, obviously, it gives you a little bit of that. But more than that, it gives you a ability to read any complex law or situation and then analyze into simple steps. And it makes you more, you know, uh, uh, consistent or maybe uh, respect timelines. Mm. Because once you miss a deadline for filing a return, you miss it. Correct. So Correct. It, it teaches you some of those things. You, you, you can handle voluminous data, 300, 400 pages and stuff. You can handle complex citation and, you know, grasp it and you adhere to deadline. Income Tax Act 1961, <laughs> one of the famous examples of famous the examples. vast amount of complex information you have to digest. So, you know. I mean, it's not necessary, you know, uh, and, and CFA is nothing like that. Mm -hmm. CFA, I mean, it, it starts reverse. You start with a single line and then you start multiple thinking, okay, where else it has impact. So it is not summarized, it is expand That's on right. something. Correct. CA is more reverse. You have multiple things and you yeah. sort of concise it. And here you have concise thing and you expand it. So it, I think these are two different sides. And if you're on the first side, obviously you 
can do the second so, side. So basically, better. you can say if you summarize this, the help or, or how chart accountancy helps is it helps you develop an analytical mindset, a number crunching ability, and probably ability to handle large sets of data. Yeah, that, yeah that's absolutely absolutely put in. Okay. Now let's talk about, uh, of course, the other qualification that both of us have in common, which is the charter, the CFA charter. Yeah. Now, of course, obviously, you are now in fund management and you have a lot of spent a lot of time there. But overall, how has CFA uh, helped in your career? So two things I realized. I mean, mm-hmm. once you do a CA, you always have this whole, you know, comparison versus CA versus MBA. Mm-hmm. What if I had done an MBA? Correct. You know, MBA have these, you know, good presentation skills, and you know, they have this alumni network, so-called golden triangle, where you need to get in and you know, break through. And I realized that, look, even if you do like an IIM Ahmedabad or a Harvard or NCR or any of these good business school, you're going to have a limited alumni network. Mm. Like if, if, you know, a B school is like 50 years old and 1,000 people are graduating every year, that ends up like 50,000 people in 50 years. Correct. They may be very senior, but again, you, your circle is limited. That's the number. So I realized that people do MBA not because of knowledge, but they do it because of the alumni network. Correct. They want a community where they can belong. And then I realized that CFA is one of those places where the community is not just local, but it's global. Mm. Irrespective of where you've done it from, from India, from Dubai, from US, from UK, from, you know, Middle East, everywhere CFA is same. Mm, so the community is much more than what you can imagine. You have like 250,000 members across like 180, 90 countries. So that's the community which you have at your... It's interesting. Dispersal. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> so even by the numbers, huh? <laughs> I, 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 mean, I did it that way, saying that, look, no, and if I do an MBA, I mean, I'm not going to add any knowledge after doing, you know, a right. CA or something, but maybe I, I can add on to what, uh, you know, you have. Right. Uh, and most of my career breaks, you know, whether it is from moving from Bombay to Bangalore, getting into research or getting out of research, getting into academics, getting out of academics, including my current role at Bacchus, mm-hmm. have largely happened because of my, uh, you know, uh, CFA network right. or mm-hmm. CFA sort of knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't plan to start as a credit analyst, mm-hmm. but then when I ended up starting as a credit analyst, I realized that, you know, CFA has a lot to sort of offer. You know, you can apply a lot of global practices locally, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, Similarly, when I moved from, you know, this to a wealth management or a family office management kind of a role, I realized that CFA gives you all those tools which you need in a, you know, context of wealth management. When I moved from there to academics, again, you know, I had my CFA to rescue. They have these beautiful PowerPoints available to all the faculties for free, so you can use some of them. And then, you know, the current job, Abacus, I mean, it just happened the same way. I mean, me and Sunil, uh, the founder, we have been working together as a volunteer for a long time. And when he was starting, he just asked me, do you want to join? I have never formally worked with him, mm. nor does, you know, uh, he has my appraisal or any of the other details. But he has seen working me in as a volunteer and he knows what, you know, my uh, skill sets are. It goes back to the power of networks. It, it goes back to the power of networks. Yeah. So when I started network uh, volunteering in back in 2009, when I became a member, I didn't realize that it will eventually happen of course not. that way. Uh, but it, it just happened, you know. So yeah, yeah. sometimes, you know, you just keep on doing things and eventually they come back to your uh, yeah. uh, to your rescue. Right. So now we're going to stop talking about you for, for a change. Thank okay. you. <laughs> because if you talk about you, there's a lot to talk about. Okay, maybe another podcast episode for that, uh, BD. Sure. But uh, I also know that you're very much involved in, in volunteering for CFA Institute, in career-related initiatives, in, in of course, hiring and mentoring uh, youngsters, young, young finance professionals. So something that I wanted to ask you because you, you, are, you are in Mumbai, which is the financial capital of, uh, of, of India. You, you deal with a lot of people. Uh, you don't deal with a lot of youngsters you deal with, right, as well. So what are the top three gaps or skills gaps that you see in, in youngsters? And, and uh, 
maybe you can give some order of priority and you can tell us more detail what you see uh, give some color around that you know so i think you know if i mean i take a detour a little bit but mm. in at least in indian culture we used to have these uh, four brackets of life you used to have this uh, bal prastashram mm. so 25 years you study then you have grahastashram where 25 years you get married and settle then you have uh, you know sanyasashram where you take detour from your day to day life and let your kids manage and one prastashram where you completely move out of you know uh, this thing so i think we have been since our mythology says that 25 years education and then next 25 years works we also have a mental block somewhere which says that once you are done with one education you don't study anymore mm. so we have this you know uh, a qualification or or something as a as a full stop as a milestone we don't mm. think of qualification as a journey so you know that's why continuing education is so difficult for us so the problem with most at least you know what i see in youngsters is they think this as a milestone so everest might be a milestone but mm. that doesn't necessarily mean you, you will stop you know climbing uh, mountains you have to continue doing that but actually uh, interjecting here i thought the same when i qualified my ce at the age of 23 i honestly thought that was it <laughs> i i wrote my name binod shankar chartered accountant under that like maybe 500 times and i said what else is there to learn in life <laughs> i have grasped all what is there to learn in life but now looking but back it's, it's I, ocean it's a ocean exactly it's how naive and how foolish i was you know so we we call something called uh, you know in risk management we have something called blind spot mm. uh it said there are three things there is a knowledge domain where you know that you know something so for example you know you know that you know mountaining right right uh, you also know that you don't know how to fly planes True. but you already know that and in and in our entire life we try to move from things we know that we don't know and we try to move that into knowledge domain Correct. so if you don't know how to know, uh, let's say speak mandarin you'll try and learn that right if you don't know how to swim you will learn that but it's only about things which you know that you don't know correct we never th- th- uh, think about things which you don't know and you don't even know that you don't know true that's that is where yeah, yeah. you know the huge aspect will work that is where mm. you know talking to people will work mm. so this whole you know lack of constant upgradation mm. or you know so called learning attitude as we call it uh, i read a famous book called learn or die mm. so it's not do or die anymore it's learn yeah. or die either you constantly upgrade yourself or either you are finished somebody else will come with a lower salary with a better skill sets with a more faster efficiency and is going to replace you out so so talking about this uh, i think first point was you know short term thinking is it or and second was the lack of constant upgradation yeah this the ability or tendency of people to stop once they finish ca or cfa and not move further why do you think is happening thing is because of sheer laziness or what 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 is really stopping them i think so laziness is obviously a more crude word but let's mm. put it this way once you do your cfa or ca or any of those mm. you start thinking what's in it for me mm. and unless you can't find a immediate answer of what's in it for me or how it is going to help me you don't go forward so basically you're saying the people see the benefits are so far out out that they don't really invest right now so for example if you are into fixed income and i ask you to take a portfolio management class in equity you can't see far enough saying that look once you become a cio you will have to handle both the classes hence better to learn right now mm. you will immediately only focus on your current job and what the next job right you will not focus on 10 okay. jobs later mm. while it's difficult to plan 10 years down the line 5 years down the line but you will have to shape your career saying that like eventually everybody wants to become a ceo cio or some you know c level role and c level role is not just one domain it's multiple domains mm. and right now we are unable to think about that sort of futuristic true, goal true. it may not be completely visible to you right now but idea is to add on skill sets mm. to begin with right they may come to your rescue any time 
right? You never realize that you have a big client who is Mandarin and, you know, suddenly sure. you speak Mandarin and you get the deal. Or for, for that matter, Japanese. Or you get link of any other activity. Mm -hmm. So if you're good swimmers and, you know, your client is also a swimmer and you suddenly start talking about Michael Phelps and, you know, that, yeah, you that's, that's the you deal. Connect. So it's about connecting. Mm -hmm. and, and connecting comes from, you know, learning. If you know things. So, for example, how many times you go to a conference and you meet someone say, hello, I am BD and he might not remember. Yes. But if you tell, do you remember the recent fintech evolution which happened or, you know, some interesting drone startup or something mm -hmm. else which just hits you and you remember and you will... You know, you will recall that thing. So you will have to have that recall value. And in order to have recall value, you have to sort of learn something new. Right. Which may not be relevant for you right now, but it will come to your rescue. Right. What else do you see as, what other gap do you see in, uh, in youngsters these days? So the other thing obviously is that people, so and I had the same expectation, you know, saying that look, I am a rank holder, so people should just hire me off. <laughs> you know, why don't they hire me off? They should knock on your door and say, please take this job, please. <laughs> So I had this, you know, moment of realization in my, uh, you know, so when I was appearing for this campus interview, uh, this is a hilarious story. So we were in this, you know, one of these PSUs was taking an interview. Public sector entertainment, for those who don't know what PSU is. So the state-owned enterprise was yes. taking my interview. Yeah. There were like six people and, you know, just, you know, we were just chit-chatting in general. And then about 20 minutes down the line, he said, I have a question for you. So I said, sir, tell me what? He said, I'm confused who is interviewing who. That's the moment when I realized that, you know, some of those places, you yeah. don't have to be, you know, communicative. In mm -hmm. some places, you have to be communicative. So I was essentially communicating more to a person who doesn't like more communication. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the moral of the story is you will have to sort of learn different styles. Mm -hmm. You will have to different styles of communication, analyzing, presenting, different ways. Now, as a fresher, I don't expect you to have all those things ready when you graduate. But if you are a charter holder or if you have cleared level three and you tell me how you don't know how to do valuation, that's not acceptable. Hmm. You know how to do valuation. It's just that you are lazy enough to put that valuation in Excel and try it out. I gave you that example of that estimating income of that parking lot. Hmm. They were not trying to find out whether I'm right or wrong. The thought process they, they were, were trying to find out my thought process. Hmm. Right. So don't worry about making a model and making a projection saying that, look, what if I'm wrong? Just make it. Right. If you have five presentations which you made on YouTube or, you know, uh, five pieces on, you know, recent news which you've written, at least that will tell people saying that you can write well. Like, have you met anyone who claims that I'm not a good writer, I'm not a good presenter, I'm not a good communicator, still hire me? Mm -hmm. Nobody says that That's I'm good. Not. Nobody. Right. But nobody says otherwise also that I'm good because look at my samples. But what people do say that I'm passionate about finance. But then every Tom, Dick and Harry says they're passionate so about finance. Here's my question. Yeah. How do you know that you are passionate? How do I know that you're passionate? Right. Otherwise. Like, do you have a certificate which says that I'm passionate? Mm. What? How do? How do you prove that you have passionate? So how do I prove that I'm passionate? So, so the simple point. See, if you are passionate about something. So, for example, if you are passionate about cricket, you will know pretty much everything about cricket. No matter which track record, which one I ask you, you will know about it. If you are passionate about cars, you will know entire new models, right? I don't have to tell you saying that. Look, it's twelve o'clock in the bed, and why don't you sleep? Why are you tracking your cars? Why are you tracking Formula One race? If you are passionate, you know more. If you are passionate, you have details. So, so if you say I am passionate about finance, all right, you are passionate about finance. Tell me three stocks which I can buy and I can sell. Hmm. Zip. That then you are not passionate about finance, right? So, what should someone do, do to demonstrate his passion? So, very simple. If you want to develop passion in a certain area, so for example, you say I am passionate about equity research, right? Simple thing. Go ahead and you know prepare three recommendations. Prepare two or three models. Prepare two or three you know uh, notes on why you like a company or why you don't like a company. And present those. See, your CV as a fresher has no details on what I can ask you. But if you have a company which you have researched upon, at least you have something which mm. I can ask you questions on. 
and at least I can analyze whether you are right or wrong. Unless you give me an opportunity to interview, I can't interview. So in order to prove that you are passionate, you will have to start doing something. Mm. Now that doing could be posting one article a day on LinkedIn, mm. it could be posting financial literacy presentation, it could be preparing Excel models, it could be anything. You know, there is no defined list. Now, here is a you know shortcut to do it. Mm. Go to a job description, look at what are the key skill sets it needs. If the job description says you need to have good writing skills, do you have five writing samples? Mm. If it says you have analytical ability, have you done anything which shows your analytical ability? It says good presentation skills. Have you done any videos on anything which shows your so presentation? So basically demonstrate what you claim as your traits or skills or competencies. See, my point is even yeah. if I hire you as an equity analyst, what is the first thing you're going to do? You're going to come and recommend stocks to me. So right. I don't do that before and then I have more experience. Right? Mm. So, you know, you will have to start presenting sometime. It, it, I mean, you have no downside in this. Correct. I mean, if you, if you do well and people don't like projects, you still have projects. Mm. You still, you can showcase them on your uh, profiles or otherwise. Uh, and the last thing is when it, when it comes to sort of, you know, uh, thinking about courses or projects or applying, you know, don't be short term. You know, mm. in, in, even in networking, even in, you know, in terms of uh, 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 meeting people or burning bridges, you know, have have a long-term objective. Right. Finance is a very small set of people. Right. These are the same people you will meet time and again. Right. Uh, so the more relationships you can aspect on that, the more it will be easier for you. I think we're going to talk about that very soon, right? That particular aspect of things. So we talked about the top three gaps, uh, BD, right? You saw in youngsters. I think one was short-term thinking when it comes to jobs and networking. Second was lack of constant upgradation or learning attitude. And third was uh, poor communication presentation skills. I think uh, now you should talk about how can they close the gap because you mentioned some ways in which they can close the gap, but what else can they do now in terms of... Uh, so, look, like I said, you know, all careers looks elevated only in retrospect, mm-hmm. right? So, if you have to go from place A to B, you can take a train, you can take a bus, you can walk, but eventually you will reach there as long as you are determined that you you want to get to place B, mm-hmm. right? So be patient. You know whether it is switching roles, switching profiles, switching locations. Be patient. You know. I think that's what a lot of people lack these days. They want instant results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, small example. When we started our firm, we looked out for uh, research associates, right? Uh, we posted this on the job line, and you know we got about 400 CVs, which all CFA candidates and stuff. Uh, and we said, okay, there is only one condition. Mm. You will have to work part-time as accountant. Mm. You have to post on our accounting entries and part-time research. And we are willing to take you as a fresher. And we will pay you a stipend of, you know, uh, 20,000 rupees, which is roughly about $300 a month. Right? These are the three conditions you have. Part-time accountant, part-time research. You will be an associate. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, you will have to, you will get with a stipend. Mm. Right? You won't believe it. None of the candidates and none of them agreed. Right. Why? Why do you think they disagreed? Why do you think they Because everybody out? wants to become portfolio manager analyst on day one. Mm. Now, it's a different story that then we ended up hiring a fresh chartered accountant. We sort of saw mm. her work in six months. Mm. We doubled her salary and we removed accounting profile from her portfolio. Right. But then to begin with, you have to sort of, you know, say that I'm willing to get an entry. You were, you were going to directly work with the research team which was raising money at the very initial phase, but nobody wanted to take a chance. Everybody wants a set profile, a set of, you know... Pay. Senior analysts, you know, CIO, portfolio manager, etc, etc. But yeah. that's that's not going to happen. I mean, everybody right. has to do some dirty job before they get there. So be right. patient. Yeah. The second is obviously network as much as possible. So for example, if you want to switch to private equity profile, 
join private equity groups on LinkedIn, mm. attend private equity conferences, know what is happening in private equity. Mm. Uh, I had a colleague uh, uh, back in my credit suite days. He was from IT. He was from a company called Polaris. Uh, and he was a deputy to, uh, you know, uh, CS. And he told me saying that, look, when I'm, I've done my level three, but whenever I go to interviews, I just fail at the consultant level only. I'm, I'm not even getting a chance to meet the company. So I said, you know, what are you good at? He said, I'm good at uh, technology because I track that and I'm a technology uh, guy. So I said, why don't you start writing a newsletter on what's happening in technology maybe once a month? Mm. across the world what's the new technology what's microsoft doing what's accenture doing what's you know ibm doing you know and he started sort of tracking that thing and you know and obviously track it companies together and you know a couple of months later we met and said now i am at least reaching the final stage of interview where the question is whether they have a better candidate than me or whether they are experiment eventually he got got into a you know a decent or large i said i would say large uh, you know, sell side firm. Mm-hmm. Then he didn't like that job and eventually he moved to, you know, a private equity fund and then later on moved to US or somewhere else. But the point is, you know, it's a time and tried tested formula. Right. If you network with people, talk to people, you know, uh, you know, attend relevant conferences and do whatever is relevant, you will get wherever you want to get. And, and you're very good at networking. I think you should have a certificate in networking that <laughs> you need to draft the curriculum and probably deliver some of the classes yourself. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if, if anything on networking, you know, I would recommend you to read a book called uh, Give and Take. Uh, it's a by an author called Adam um, Adam Grant, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very famous book and essentially talks about you know kinds of people and you know why you should sort of help someone or you know ask for help. You're givers and there are takers. Givers and takers. Right. Uh, I met one of the CIOs in a, in a Mumbai and he said, I don't talk about business with anyone unless I have met him at least seven times. Seven times. Seven times on different occasions Correct. without a formal uh, you know agenda. If I met someone at least six to seven times in a different time, like event or somewhere, then I talk to him about business. Otherwise, no point. Which means if you're sitting at home, there's no chance of meeting this so guy which, seven times. Which means that if yeah. you meet for the first time and take my card and next day you send me your CV, I'm going to delete it. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> okay. you know, be, very be very more... clear hint to the listeners for this podcast, guys. Do not send CVs to a VD without meeting him at least seven times. I'll tell you the office address later. <laughs> and, and anything and the, else? And the third is, you know, at least... These days, with the with the help of technology or at least social media, networking has become more easier. True. Now I know companies which ask you for your social media and profile address just to check what kind of person you are. Are you an extremist? Are you adventurous? Are you humorous? You know what kind of content you see? What kind of you know personality trait you have? Now, if you are very extremist or very aggressive, maybe you're good for a sales role, hmm. but you're not good for an analyst role. If you're very thoughtful, then maybe you're good for an analyst role. You know, so they they do track your social media profile. Right. Now, if if you tell me that you are passionate about finance and the only thing on your social media profile is I see is you know fashion magazines or something else, <laughs> probably there is a mismatch somewhere. So yeah. try and have an online visibility or an online profile which matches with what you've written on the CV mm. in terms of content writing in terms of videos in terms of tweets I don't know if you have heard of something called the alternative credit score mm. now there is a company called Lendo in uh, you know Philippines and what they do is they try and find your credit score based on your social media accounts Interesting. now all they do is they check all your emails and LinkedIn and Facebook and everything and they say look what kind of emails are you getting Right. If you are getting all, you know, uh, if you have top twenty, you know, business leaders in your network, or if you follow them, probably you are a better person than 
rest mm. of them mm. if you have mostly telemarketers in your you know uh, you know connects maybe you're a better one mm. what kind of emails are you seeing what kind of newsletters are you receiving so they try and analyze your content and give you a credit score what is the probability that you will default mm. if you don't have a prior credit history right. and it has worked well it has worked well for people who are more into writing more into business you know following networking and you know meeting right people they show up a higher score than the rest of them right right uh, so that's why i would say i mean yeah. use social media to your advantage uh, not just transactional social media is like a relationship it's not one time that you connect with someone and then you just forget it you also have to add value to them and remember people don't like you people like your content right right if your content is good people like you so for example i like warren buffet but i've never met him and i like him because i like his content i don't like him i like his content and i equate content with him mm-hmm. so if you i like your content i'll like you if i don't yeah. like your content True. i won't like you i keep saying this a lot of youngsters who are doing their cfa or financial course studies and things like that go to linkedin that's the best professional like networking platform you can have to be honest linkedin right go there uh, have a decent profile uh, post uh, share like comment i think you can you can showcase like you said bd if you don't have experience how do employers know that you have a passion or that you have some skills you showcase it right yep. talk about it is interested in fixed income or equities or real estate or whatever it is Uh, share these so, for example I, i'll give you a small example when i started using linkedin back in 2010 i used to share a lot of news related to us market because i was tracking us market then one of those days i got a call or a you know a message from one of those advisors on a private bank in us saying that can you join us as an as a you know a sales guy mm-hmm. i said you know but i am based in india right. and that's when he realized that i am based in india and hence obviously he cannot hire me because of visa but his point was that he was so impressed with the content which i was sharing mm. that he thought he can make me an offer and hire me out just because of social media that's because of the social media so right. i mean i have a real example with uh, with that right now so we talked about you we talked about uh, you know what's out there in terms of what youngsters can do and what are the skills gaps now we are of course in india a uh, big economy fast growing economy lots of opportunities in finance and you have worked in credit analysis you have worked in wealth management asset management so in india right now because a lot of listeners are probably from the subcontinent right in india right now where are the three biggest opportunities now when i mean opportunities i mean now and over the next 5 years for cfa pass outs and why do you think these are big opportunities so let's talk about the first so you know in terms of you know i'll give you some numbers so the total Uh, assets under management for a mutual fund industry in india is about 350 billion or 400 billion dollars whereas we have economy size of about 2.6 to maybe 3 trillion dollars uh, so roughly you are about 10 to 15% of you know in terms of gdp uh, for the aum now if you look at developed countries that ratio is as high as 50 60% now if you believe that india is going from 3 trillion to 6 trillion and maybe 10 trillion at a later date that 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 number is going to double mm. right mm. and if that number is going to double there will be more opportunities in asset management space right now when you say asset management space i mean you can technically argue saying that there is this whole active versus passive debate mm. so what is going to happen mm. right now in this whole active versus passive debate there will be opportunity for people who can add alpha Hmm. right people who are not index oriented but people who can manage your portfolio with certain constraints for example esg or maybe you know uh, sdg or whatever they call it hmm. Uh, hmm. but you will have dedicated strategy you would have liability driven strategy so someone just want to manage a portfolio to meet some liability right uh, so asset management space especially on alternative investments on portfolio management have a huge opportunity in terms of uh, 
investment side. Right. The other one is basically on the client side. Hmm. Now, India has, you know, in terms of bank accounts, we have roughly 30-40 crore bank accounts. In the number of unique mutual fund folios, now mutual fund is a retail product, hmm. very regulated, uh, you know, so one less than one crore, which is like 10 million folios, which you have with a population of like a billion. Right, mm, so the amount of yeah. so the amount mm. of financial underpenetration you have is huge, which means that if you look at uh, one client versus you know like number of clients versus advisors, mm. it'll be like one advisor versus you know a million uh, for a million people for a million people, mm. which is so that means they definitely a scope for more advisory, more wealth management. Now within wealth within advisory, you can have, be at multiple stages. You can be you know just at a you know, advisory stage, which is like basic meeting the goals, like a financial planning. You can be more, once the basic goals are met, you can be at a wealth management stage, which is more how do you generate or grow this well. Or you could be at a different stage, which is like a family office, much higher. Now, again, all of these depend on the number of assets which people have. But if you think that, you know, the markets are going to do well, the advisory is a big piece. And there, there is a deficit of people uh, who want to sort of get into this role. Mm. Now, we analysts or we charter holders or chartered accountants have this whole phobia saying that, look, I'm not a good sales guy. Mm. Right? I think you mentioned that earlier during the webinar as well, right? So, look, you know, I had the same thing. But my point is, even if you're an analyst, you will still have to sell your idea. Even if you're a portfolio manager, you still have to sell you're your fund. You're always a salesman. So you're always a salesman. You are talking to your wife, your fiance, you are selling yourself, saying that how good you are, how bad you are, right? So, you know, sales is part of the whole thing, mm. right? So don't confuse between mis-selling and selling. Mm. Selling could be a genuine selling also, helping the client, which what you can do, which fits with your objective, which fits with your ethics. And mis-selling is completely different. So wealth is more advisory and it's not blanket sales without knowing anything. Correct. Sales is you know, when somebody orders online and you know they get the product. Advisory is something when you guide him through the journey on what wants to happen. And because there are opportunities on the management side, on the advisory side, mm. there comes a risk part. Right. So risk management becomes hugely important. Mm. Now, whether you talk about, you know, you know, anti-money laundering laws, whether you talk about risk models, whether you talk about uh, AI based technology, market risks, market risk, yeah. liquidity risk, operation mm. risk, you have all these opportunities available in this whole space. Because whenever a market grows, obviously, there are some fallacies. Right. So, you know, credit risk is a big thing. Yes. India, India doesn't have a big credit market. And even if economy will grow, credit markets will grow. Correct. Right. So you have those opportunities. So I think there are three interlinked opportunities and you have opportunity to move across the chain. Right. You can be on the wealth side, you can be on the management side, you can be on the risk side. It depends on what you know you want to do. Mm, what's the uh, difference? And are the opportunities there. Correct. Now, of course, apart from being a you know, finance professional and you know being highly qualified, you're also on the board of CFA India Society. And uh, I think at the regional or global level also, you, you've played a part or are playing a part. Yeah. Uh, what is society doing here locally for careers of CFA pass outs in India? So what we uh, realized was that, uh, you know, uh, there are a huge number of candidates and all of them are young. Hmm. So we need to do something different from them apart from, you know, just giving them job, job feeds or something. So we have started something called the Annual Financial Talent Summit. Uh, which happens in at least three, four cities, where we try and explain them about career paths and we at least make give them a forum to interact with industry leaders. Uh, we do a career webinar series and you've been part of one right. of those, yes. where we try and explain, take one sector and give you career paths, salary levels, interview questions, etc. 
And apart from that, we have a lot of CPD sessions, about 100 of them, you know, about 8-10 market conferences, which are a forum for you to sort of get your, uh, you know, uh, knowledge out there. Now, be it India Investment Conference, where you can hear speakers like Rubini or something, be it Value Investing, FinTech, Corporate Governance, you have a huge... A uh, lot of activities available. I mean, on CFA Institute website also, you have a lot of these resources available. But at a society level, we are trying more in-person, you know, initiatives which are available to you. Well, from a personal standpoint, I can testify to that because I, first of all, I spoke at the Financial Talent Summit, which I thought was very well organized yeah. in Bangalore in September last year. And well attended as well, with quite a few uh, stellar speakers. Then I also had the career webinar on closing the skills gap, which yeah. was again very well organized and very well attended. We had about 1,800 attendees. And uh, of course, I keep hearing about other uh, events that you know and, and uh, initiatives that you are launching as well. So I think uh, society is doing quite a lot of work uh, in, in CFA India, and it's it's incumbent on the you know students, candidates rather, to take advantage of these opportunities. It's not just Mumbai, by the way, because FTS, for example, Financial Talent Summit happens in Delhi, Mumbai. Uh, Pune, I think, and, and Bangalore as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's. It's and we'll add more cities. We'll add more cities there. We'll add more cities as well. Span India as well. Something I haven't mentioned here, which uh, I'm going to talk to Amit later about, is a young women in investment uh, yeah. uh, series, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, encouraging young women to enter finance and you know, uh, basically scaling them up through boot camps and you know, basically uh, giving them internship opportunities. So a lot of lot of work. So I strongly encourage anyone listening to this podcast to you know connect with CFA India Society. And attend events wherever you are. Um, listen to webinars, uh, and you know. And most of our, you know, events which we do, we record them and we host them on YouTube for free. So you can actually go to YouTube and listen to all of those amazing mm. sessions mm. if you like. Right. You know, be it from CIOs, be it from you know international speakers. So you know, I invite you to sort of go and you know look for our social media channels on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, wherever uh, you quite, know you're comfortable. Quite, quite active. Quite active. Yeah. Right, I think uh, we can go on and on, uh, <laughs> not talk about, but it's probably time to bring the, this episode to a close. But before we go, uh, BD, I need to ask you, if you had a chance to rewind your career, now it's not just it's, it's a hypothetical situation, obviously, all of us would have wished to have that option, but if you had a chance to rewind your career, would you do anything differently? Because this is like almost like an advice for others as well, you know, yeah. what, what would you do differently? So, you know, one thing, you know, for sure, 100%, I would have started networking at a very, very early stage, mm-hmm. which means as soon as, you know, I'm in graduation or something, I mean, I would go out, meet people, maybe talk to them, understand what they do, even though I have nothing to gain or at that time, I don't understand much of that, but I would have started networking very early and invest in those relationships by regularly in touch with those uh, mentors or coaches which you have. Uh, Reading and obviously uh, writing, mm-hmm. uh, I still do a poor job at it. But you know, I would have done more. Uh, you know, for example, you know, I mean, you, you know, you read a lot of books, and you know, right. you at least tell people these are the books. Uh, you know, at least I would have read some of at least you know top twenty books, and you know, given summary, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. shown that as my work samples. Mm-hmm. And then I would have added as many skills as possible. So, for example, you know, do you think a Python or a language would help me right now? Maybe no. But at a future date, possibly, yes. Mm-hmm. So I would have added those languages. So I mean, I have added some of them, like financial planning, wealth, you know, IFRS, risk. Uh, I would have added some of more, which is, you know, in terms of computer skills, like language ones. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, we have this phobia saying that we are accountants, so we can't learn languages. But now I think, you know, it's more or less uh, available. You have these MOOC platforms where you can go and learn everything. And believe me, a good analyst or a portfolio manager is... 
I mean, he obviously knows his subject well, mm-hmm. but he can also think about other things. I mean, some of these great portfolio managers are, you know, master, you know, students of arts or you know, history Correct. or psychology, right? Yes. right? Yes. They are not necessarily finance geeks. No. Finance, obviously, they know, but they obviously their horizons or perspectives come from different uh, this thing. I mean, so I strongly urge you to sort of you know go out and you know uh, get as many skills as possible. You know, read as much, write, and network. Yeah. And regarding the last part about skills, I was uh, just before the interview happened, I walked into BD's room and I found him studying for an exam, which I thought he is going to deliver rather than he is going to be studying for the exam. So apparently, it was the anti-money laundering exam certification from Institute of Chartered Accounts of India, which I didn't, I wasn't aware of that there was such a course uh, based on the Prevention of Money Laundering Act, Bear Act. The <laughs> I've never heard that word for ages, <laughs> the Bear Act. But that shows, you know, someone a senior, someone so accomplished, someone so successful. Someone so highly qualified is still learning about new things. Uh, what value he can add? What else he can pick up? I think something that you know everyone should uh, understand, appreciate, and not just appreciate and and clap and like, but also implement in their own lives. I think there's a big gap between knowing and doing. We talked about that as well, BD. Right? Yeah. I think <laughs> everybody <laughs> knows what to do. Everybody knows what to do exactly. And everybody, you know, they also get a confirmation bias. We call it affirmation bias. They will even ask you what to do. I, I know that I know that. But they won't do Nobody. it. So, yeah. uh, you know, whenever I talk to people, so, I mean, I delivered a session in financial trends some time. I give example. So, there were about like 500 people whom we told what to do. Correct. Right? Yes. Five of them came up with a follow-up. One percent. One percent. Or out of those five, you know, yesterday somebody reached out to me saying that I've done this. Correct. Right. So the so the you know they, you can clearly make out the difference between those who just listen and those who actually do. Right. Uh, so I urge you to take action, irrespective of whether you are ready or not. There is a magic in action, and you will realize when you do it. That's a fantastic way to end it. I like the code. There's a magic in action. I'll probably you know uh, talk about that as well. So yeah, um, I think that's fantastic. Thanks so much, uh, BD. It's been a very insightful, interesting uh, session. I think uh, youngsters would benefit a lot by by learning from someone who has uh, you know achieved so much uh, in the finance career and is a CA and CFA charter holder to boot as well. So again, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, actually, last time you interviewed me when we were <laughs> on the stage of the Financial Talent Summit. So this is me interviewing you in return. So I hope it was a it was a it was a can I say hopefully an enjoyable experience. We are equal now. <laughs> we are one one now. Equal, we are equal now. now. Exactly. The, exactly. Everything has been squared off right now. Thank you so much once again, PD. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. This podcast was brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binod Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes, plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.